Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome once again to Dave and Marlo, a Trailblazers podcast, whether you want it to be or not, because the Trailblazers have had a rough week, but that's okay. We are still here. I am Dave Deckard here with Marlo Ferguson and the Blazers, since we last talked, are 0 and 4 to nobody's surprise, Marlo. They have pulled the plug on the season, started with Damian Lillard and quickly dominoed into everything else. I think there's double digits players on the injury list at the moment. They're signing 10-day hardship contracts just to field people. Ah, did you ever see it coming to this? Not this year, I didn't. Uh, I thought those days were, were long gone. You know, that was that was yesterday's news, last year's news, but here we go. You know, they got more players unavailable than available. You got players breaking their fingers in pregame warm-ups, 30-point uh, losses, so it's been tough trying to find positives in that, but hey, that's what we got to do. So, <laughs> I mean, we've been lucky. Have you, have you, haven't you been relieved? Oh, it's only a thirty-point loss. That's not so bad. It's been rough, you know. I I I, I tell it to myself here, but I was watching the game and I'm like, why are they always so close in the first quarter? Then it dawned on me. It's like, okay, it's zero to zero. It's supposed to be close, but before you know it, it, it really quickly, you know, it's just. Hopefully those days are, are just temporary. Hopefully we can get back to a, a, a competitive game, a competitive team. This has been a while since we've really been able to say that. So, I mean, they stayed close in the first half against Sacramento on Wednesday. So, I mean, there's that. You had two quarters of, of basketball. Uh, let's We'll talk about that big picture in a minute. And I think that's valuable, actually, that in the midst of this, we need to reset a little bit to where we were at the beginning of the year and where we are now which is not a pretty story. But before we get there, let's talk about at least one or two pretty things. Uh, Shaden Sharp probably getting more playing time is the big bonus in this. Uh, how has he looked to you, and what do you take away from his late-season performances here? Oh, man, I'm hoping he makes a push for one of those all-rookie teams. Uh, we looked at his statistics, you know, two or three weeks ago. He was, like, number 11, number 12 in a lot of those categories, and now, you know, with the extra playing time, he's jumped up to – Number, I think he's number eight in points, number six in three pointers. Um, so hopefully he can make a push there. It's been fun seeing him with the you know the ultra green light, uh, just go out there and make mistakes. I think the shot selection for him has been a little bit interesting, but you know you you, you kind of want him to kind of expand his his, his uh, knowledge and seeing what he can get away with, uh, just expanding his repertoire and whatnot. So it's been fun to see. It's been a, a bright spot in the spot where there haven't been a lot of bright spots. Um, I've liked the he's had a couple of nice plays as a playmaker, uh, facilitator. Obviously, there's a lot of room to grow, but 
you know, just all things considered, you know, you're, you're really excited about what you got from him. And I think if you were to do a redrive, I think you, you definitely maybe even draft him higher, you know, now that we can see what he's, what he's capable of and, and what he's doing. So great stuff. Yeah. Danny Morang uh, and I argue about this a little bit. Uh, his playmaking, I think some of it will develop. And I think it's going to develop kind of naturally, not because he's a point guard, but because he's going to draw a lot of attention. And most basketball players, not named Allen Iverson, can figure out how to uh, pass out of a double team. Now, Iverson was better than I give him credit for. I'm joking, of course. But uh, I think Sharp, that part of his game will be the last to develop, but I believe it's going to develop. Also because he's got pretty good size and he's rangy uh, if he's a shooting guard so he'll be able to get some of those passes off and I really think that this is going to be okay for him but already you know you've got to love his shots obviously his ability to get free I mean if you watch him what's exciting about this is you're watching the Blazers run plays for him or just let him take over plays and especially when they set screens for him he's really pretty good at using those screens with a little bit of change of pace, but also kind of some magic about how quickly he gets around a screen. And by the way, on defense as well, when he's defending a screen, there was one play, I think it was against Sacramento, where he was defending and he went under a screen and he really shouldn't. And I'm going like, oh, he's going away. You know, going under means not following the ball handler and leaving the shot open as you go around the pick. I'm like, oh, he made a mistake there. And then all of a sudden, he's on the other side like he teleported. And I'm like going, oh, that's different. So, I mean, there's a lot to like about his game. He has not developed it up to this point, but I think the kid's going to be all right. Yeah, I think with that athleticism, you you give yourself a chance in a lot of these situations. And you can see he's he's improving as a weak side defender, uh, getting over and contesting shots, blocking shots, skin on the glass. And uh, it kind of reminds me of what, you know, like you mentioned, Danny Morang. He and Chauncey Billups had a nice back and forth uh, in one of their press conferences where they were basically saying that uh, the blindness was starting to come off for him a little bit, giving him a little bit at a time, and he's, he's sort of easing his way into it. And he had a play in that Sacramento game that I thought really, really stood out to me. The, the, the Kings tried to run a double team with uh, Sabonis and, and Keegan Murray, and they had uh, Matisse Bible trailing across the other side of the floor. And he, like, slung a pass. It had to be perfect because if it wasn't perfect, either Keegan Murray was going to get it or uh, it was it. Kevin Hurdle was going to get it on, on the weak side. So he's, he's making some, some great playmaking. He's making some great plays uh, with added pressure and added tension to him. And uh, just as a, a fun statistic, you know, the list of teenagers to have a 30-point, seven-rebound, seven-assist game, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and now one, Shaden Sharp. So uh, you like the, the, the avenues that he's putting himself in and just what he's doing. So really good stuff. Question. Have you ever seen him panic? Like, I, I'm thinking, you know, he's gotten in bad situations. He's taken bad shots. I mean, rookies are going to do that. And, you know, there, there are games when he shot 35% on 15 shots. That's not great, right? But I, I don't think he ever gets rattled. And that's what's really impressive to me. And with the greater minutes and the greater responsibility, he's still just as composed. And it's not like he's mastered the game, like Coach Billups says. He's, he's out there making all kinds of mistakes. But you don't see it on him. He's not flustered. And the worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to elevate and get a shot off. And you know what? That's 
a pretty good failure state. I mean, if the worst that happens is you get a contested shot off, you're doing pretty well, especially as a rookie. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Um, I've seen a couple of situations where maybe on defense, he sort of looks like a chicken with his head, hitting his head cut off and, and maybe a little bit out of place, but he never really seems overwhelmed. You know, he, he seems like he's kind of for the moments. And um, I'm not sure how much of, of Damian Lillard's leadership or anything has to do with that, but that's what you kind of want to see in a rookie. And you see it in his press conferences. He always seems very calm, very stoic. I think it's gonna gonna bode well for him. Um, so just going forward, put him in the locker room with leaders like that. I think is is, is a good sign for him. And and you just hope that they continue to add add to that. And more importantly, just continue to get him the playing time needed, where he can make those mistakes and learn different things, and just continue to just advance his game as far as he can go. So let's do it statistically, uh, backing up what you mentioned over the last five games as we speak. When other than the Utah game, which is the first one in this series. He's pretty much the only player on the court. I mean, he's the guy that people are going to key in on offensively anyway. 22.8 points, 6.6 rebounds, 3.2 assists as a shooting guard, shooting 45.7% from the floor and 45% from the three-point arc. That's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, if, if, if your guy was getting those numbers... And that was a veteran, like a 10-year veteran. You'd be going, you know what? He's, this guy is doing really well. I mean, those are, those are Anthony Simons-like numbers already. Yeah, well said. And I think it's only going to get better. And that's kind of what you want to see at this point in the year. You know, you, you're not really rooting for wins. If they come, they come. But just seeing him continue to elevate his game, and as long as he's not picking up, you know, bad habits, you know, in these games where they're losing by 30, 40 points, I think that's the – the big thing is just seeing him continue to elevate and, and seeing what he can do, what he can get away with and whatnot. Um, and I, I thought from the from his first uh, regular season game, I thought he, he really looked the part. You know, obviously there was going to be a lot of growing pains and trying to figure out how to rotate him in. But even then, I remember he had a clutch shot his first game against Sacramento from the corner. So it's, it's just continuing to add to that every single game. And, and you know, when you watch him play, you're going to get at least one or two highlights every time. So it's, it's something to watch even when it's you know, as bad as it is now. So credit to him for that. Who else have you noticed during this stretch, if anyone? Uh, I've actually liked the minutes from from Kevin Knox. I thought he I thought he's played pretty well. You know, I think when you look back on that that trade, the Josh Hart trade, and obviously it's always a, a, a pretty concerning sign when the, the player that you give away is the one that's kind of the headliner of the trade. But um, I think people looked at it and they were thinking, you know, Cam Reddish, maybe maybe he has a chance to come into his own. The draft pick is going to be nice. But Kevin Knox is, is, I think he's played pretty well. You know, you look at the last five games for him, He's up to about, was it 10.8 points, uh, 5.8 rebounds, 41% shooting. So not great numbers, but I think he's, he's brought general effort. He's played pretty well. Um, and obviously you got to take with a grain of salt when you're in a situation where they're losing by 28, 34, and 40 in the same week. Uh, but that's, you got to think, you got to take the positives as you can get them. And for him, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be on the roster next year, but uh, every game is an audition. And I think he's, he's stepped up to the, he's not taking this for granted, this opportunity here. Yeah, I mean, before he went out to Trendon Watford, I mean, I like he's he's yeah. nice, and I think he's really come on late season and shown you why the Blazers kept him. And I like I like his game. I mean, last year it was a surprise when he did stuff well, and it was really all about the motor. Now that motor is connected to the drivetrain a little bit more. And you see some nice passes, some timely rebounds, and obviously the shooting's still there. I mean, and also, of course, we take Drew Eubanks for granted. Uh, 
what a nice, I mean, look, nothing's going to make losing okay. But what a nice guy to have stepping in when that position didn't work out like you thought, and you're not going to ever replace it because nobody's available, but you got a guy who goes out and plays his heart out every game, gets some block shots, takes absolutely, you know, almost pristine shot selection, never tries to play too much above his head, especially on offense, and if anything, is going to oversell on defense. Look, if you had told me Drew Eubanks was going to be this praiseworthy three seasons ago, two seasons ago, I would have said, yeah, yeah, you're dreaming. So, bravo. Uh, And I think it's never the wrong time to remember what he's done, especially, you know, really, I I must say, especially the last year and a half, but that's that's how long he's been here. So, ever since he put on the uniform. Yeah, I think that's that's well well earned praise for Drew Eubanks too. Um, I always look at look at Drew Eubanks and Trenton Wofford and even Jabari Walker. He's a guy who's played well too. I always wish they were maybe two or three inches taller because you could really see the impact in the way they play. Uh, but Eubanks, he's he's definitely you can tell he's a great teammate. Uh, I remember when I was right for the Spurs, you know, he was a guy that he would come in and he'd do the same kind of thing. He would do you know the great uh, push shots, play with a lot of energy, and he had uh, six blocks against Oklahoma City. So definitely a lot of things you could look at on the box score with him. Uh, obviously, there are weaknesses here and there, but uh, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind, you know, keeping along for the for the next couple of years. I think you tr- you definitely got to go get bigger in the draft and in the free agency. But if you got Eubanks there, I think you definitely got a nice insurance policy for the second unit. Um, so it's, it's it's a problem when he starts, but if you got him on the bench, I think you've got a a quality big, a quality rotation big that you can put in and then rely on to be consistent and, and not you know over overstep his boundaries with that. So. Yeah, and I doubt he's going anywhere. I mean, the Blazers know what they've got. And again, the minutes he's playing, I mean, you talk about redlining that motor. <laughs> See, your RPMs are up to six, 7,000, and he's still running like you're a granny driving on Sunday morning. And it's, that's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, those are the bright <laughs> spots. <sighs> I guess, okay, so look, I want to overplay it, but that New Orleans game was barely basketball. I mean, I was, and I still may write about this, I, I, I was flat-out angry watching that game, not because they were going to lose. We knew that was going to happen. Just because there was nothing there that even resembled NBA basketball individually for the most part and certainly collectively, like you were literally like one guy is going to score here probably because someone does. I mean, you, you're going to put points on the board, but you're getting out rotated defensively. You're getting blocked again and again, straight up. Uh, you're not defending any, anybody. I mean, you're moving around to absolutely zero effect. It. I was just shocked and appalled after that. And I mean, that may say something about the quality of Portland's reserves. Maybe we're overestimating a little bit. But I think it also just says something about the state of the franchise. I mean, there was just no heartbeat there. It was a terrible game. Did you know that Brandon Ingram had more points than the Blazers starters by himself going into the fourth quarter? Like, he had 29 points, and the Blazers starters had 25. Like, it was that bad. And I, I sat there, and I'm like, man, this is, a, this is a rough Monday night here. I don't know what it's coming to. Um, but the box score, it, it showed that they got out rebounded 53 to 29. 
Um, and the Pelicans just kind of got whatever they wanted. You know, they 31 assists on 49 Mayfield goals. And I think what made it even worse was that, you know, every if the consolation prize with these losses is that you knew that you'd get a second sharp highlight somewhere in there. They were face guarding him, top locking him, uh, just defending him well overall. And he had one of those rookie games. And it was just, that was one of the worst. I think it was the second worst offensive performance they had this year from a point, point, point score uh, wise. But just a almost unwatchable brand of basketball for a, for a long part of that. So that's just, I'm not sure what you say after that. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing there. I mean, yeah, once they went after Sharp, and it's not like Sharp would have saved him either. It just would have made the loss more entertaining. But they literally cut off one guy, and there was zero people. I mean, and there were legitimate players that you're kind of depending on to, to help the Blazers bench next year because they can't replace everybody, right? And it's like they almost did not exist. It, it was just, it was totally scary. I'm trying to pull up here. Uh, who was, who was in that game? Here we go. Uh, Over your eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you had Sharp, obviously, and Eubanks. I mean, Eubanks gets a pass from me because of you know he's not going to turn it. He's going to do his stuff. But Nasir Little, uh, twenty-five minutes. Matisse Thybul played fifteen, which isn't a ton. There was Knox for twenty-two. Keon Johnson was in there. Cam Reddish was in there for twenty-six. I. You just, okay, you're like, well, some of these guys got to do something, right? And, again, it's not like they didn't score some points. Somebody was going to, but there was there was no, I don't know. I, I don't know how I put it other than they just didn't exist. And I'm going, gosh, if you ran this out as the second unit next year, that doesn't solve the problem. And that, to me, was shocking. Now, they've done better in other games, but you still have that memory and that hole there. The problem may be wider spread than we give it credit for. I mean, we always say, okay, well, we're down to one miracle trade now. We, the, the goalposts have shifted for Blazer fans. Like, oh, one more solid guy and we're good. Okay, two more solid guys and we're good. No, one more star and we're good. No, one more Joel Embiid and we're good. <laughs> okay, that's gone as far as it can go. But even if you take that all the way, the Blazers might not have three or four players that they need off the bench. And part of it is age. Part of it is ability. But they're just kind of, wow, there's, you're looking at this. If this were an insurance project, you'd go, this car is totaled. You got to, like, you got to replace it. Get your hood ornament, get your decals, and get a new car. Yeah, I think I think that's well said. You know, you look at the numbers, it's it's. It's almost terrible the, the lack of shooting that they got on the floor right now. Look at the numbers this week. They shot nine for thirty-nine from three-point range, seven for thirty-three, and in that game they shot six for thirty-one. So it's almost like a, a concert tour date. Six of thirty-one, like that's it's just it's just terrible to see. Um, and I think it's going to get even worse. You know, if they don't if they don't figure it out because you look at next year. If your intention is to have Shaden Sharp become a starter, you know that second unit, you, you, one of these guys is going to have to shift to the bench, and now it's going to get even worse. So. I think you're banking on the development of some of these guys. I think you've got some 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 key pieces in you know Watford and and, and Reddish. Maybe Jabari Walker makes a, a nice little second year jump, but it's just kind of hard to get inspired by what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it, 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 I don't know. I don't think I don't know if it's going to get any better. You know, it's 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 just rough. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and a lot of other 
teams are getting crazed for their rookies and their sophomores. I mean, Sacramento rookies, uh, Cleveland sophomores, right? Uh, and so you go, well, well, the player development, and we need to have an asterisk because the Blazers didn't start with maybe as deep of a reservoir as some of those other teams did. But if you look at player development, outside of some of the nice things that we've mentioned, and even Sharp, though, this is really late in the season. This wasn't happening earlier, nor did it have a chance to. So, wait, player development didn't happen. Wins didn't happen. Cohesive, systematic, defensive improvement didn't happen. Even their offense, I mean, it's really good, but it's not really grown that much and really ended up relying on Damian Lillard a whole lot. And then three-point shooting, which is exactly where we started this story two years ago. So that didn't necessarily happen either. What exactly have they been doing is the question. I feel like a cooking show where you brought me macaroni and cheese and it's like it's just cheddar and the pasta isn't cooked enough and you're going like this is way too al dente this tastes like it's out of a box and what did you do for the last hour <laughs> and it's like uh what's going on it's a microwave version of an office right now you know there's not a lot of not a lot of thought being put into it i think the blazers player development um it, it's it's been decent i think if you look at a guy like maybe like nasir little you know if you had told me two or three years ago that he'd be a guy coming off pin downs and, and hitting three-pointers and pull-ups the way he's done uh i'd, I'd probably have been a little bit surprised and the same goes for Anthony Simons, how quickly they've gotten sharp going. So there are some positives there, uh, but they're just not happening, I don't think, frequently enough and not as effectively enough to to really contend. You know, and I, I think that, you know, you look at the, the draft order this year, uh, there are a lot of guys they can look at when it comes to that. But I think, you know, you, you, you're you in a tough situation um, just in terms of, you know, you look at the teams we played this week, the Thunder, the Thunder, the Jazz, things like that. They've got a lot of draft picks, a lot of different assets. Blazers, they're putting themselves in a position where I feel like they've got to be, you know, perfect with what they do, uh, especially with the pressure put on them right now. So um, I, I don't know. There's there's not an easy way out of, of what they're in right now. And like you said, it's, 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 it's difficult to watch and difficult to kind of predict what's going to come next after this. Yeah, you made a really fair point there. Uh, we can't leave out Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons who have had great seasons. And I guess if player development is a limited quantity and you poured it into those buckets, okay, fair enough, because those are your second and third players, right? So credit there, okay? But even the players we're talking about, all this happened really late in the season. It's not like it contributed to a winning year or a deeper team during the season for the most part. Uh, use of Nurkic certainly has not improved. Uh, Nasir Little, I mean, we bring him up, but... Again, when did he play? Uh, if he was improving, why wasn't he on the floor? He was literally the last guy that they brought into the rotation. Uh, Shaden Sharp played early and then kind of got his wings clipped a little bit. So some of these growing pains could have happened earlier, but maybe that wasn't the agenda and they were trying to win. I get it, but now we've got a split thing because if you were trying to win, you didn't actually do it. And you didn't get Shaden Sharp his reps. All right. Uh, gosh. And then the rest of these guys are midseason trade things, you know, uh, gets, which is like, okay, there's only so much time you can develop them. But Cam Reddish is the guy who's been out there most. And Matisse Thibel. And Thibel's okay. He's ready to go. But you, you know what he is. Cam Reddish, 
I mean, you'd think, okay, if he's really going to take off, now would be the time. I'm not noticing him that much right now. I noticed him way more when he first got here, which is the Cam Reddish story, right? So I'm, I'm just befuddled, which might be a good jumping off point. And now, to be fair, let's rewind back 20 podcasts when we first started at the beginning of the season, right? And we had talked, and we said... This is the year, right? And we, I've said stuff like this before. I mean, I've been saying this as far back as really 2019. Like, after that playoff run, it's like, this is the year. They go. And then 2020, well, this is the year that Zach Collins better pan out or, you know, or else. Uh, 2021, whoa, no, this is really, really the year. 2022, here, this is it, right? I mean, for me, if you rewind back to the beginning of the season, they have to win or this isn't working. They did not win. I'm ready to say this isn't working. Where are you on that? I think I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think this definitely, this upcoming year has to be the next one because you know, I don't think there's ever been this much pressure in terms of, of Damian Lillard and the frustrations and, and not being able to put a team around him. I think if you look back on it in 2020, you could say, oh, you know, we were a year removed from the Western Conference Finals. Oh, we were two years away from the, uh, we're two years removed from the Western Conference Finals. Now you've got back-to-back seasons in which you've, basically flamed out after the all-star break. And uh, what's that one statistic that kind of comes to mind? Um, the Blazers, this is going to be their fourth consecutive year in which they've had a bottom five, you know, defensive rating. And you look back over the last 27 years since play-by-play has been available, that's never happened. Only one other team has done that. So the problems, you you kind of see what, exactly what they are, and you just can't really figure them out. You can't really figure out how to stop them. And every year they kind of put together a roster where you think they're going to do it, and they just don't. And I, I think about that analogy you always use with the, the intersection where you, you can go left, you can go right, you can go straight, but don't run into the pole. And, you know, and, they, and they've done that. Um, and I, I don't know. This team just doesn't really have an identity. It doesn't feel like there's a roadmap in terms of what they're going to do. Um, and I did. Last week I was thinking they couldn't even tank right. You know, you you beat the Utah Jazz and then you you sit out Damon Lillard the rest of the year. Like, what are you going to do? Like, make a decision and stick with it. And it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of be up when it comes to that, so. Yeah, that lack of identity, I think, is a great point. And people were asking about this the other day, and I really thought about it. Okay, so it starts at the top. Someone asked, well, is Jody finally going to sell the team? Jody Allen, of course. It's like, who knows? I don't think so, but maybe. And at some point, she probably will. And we're waiting for things that don't have much to do with basketball to figure out whether that happens or not. Uh, who's in charge up there? Is it Jody? Is it someone from Vulcan? Is it Burt Coldy? Who is it? I don't know. Somebody up there is making some kind of decisions. It seems like they're pretty hands-off right now, but if there are broad parameters or boundaries, like around spending or, or whatever, we don't know them. Uh, is Joe Cronin a good general manager? I think so. But what what is he doing? Okay, well, they're trying to win. Well, then why did they trade away Josh Hart and Gary Payton II? I, I can tell you why they did that in the micro sense, and it made a lot of sense. But in the macro sense, getting Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, whatever, doesn't signal winning right now. So we have a split there. It's muddled. Is Chauncey Billups a good coach? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows at this point. Uh, the, the numbers would say definitely not, and there are some good things about him, but this is not 
been a successful season. Last year wasn't designed to be. But at what point does this become just kind of ingrained in part of the culture here? And by the way, how is the Trailblazers culture? It's very muddled. You got Damian Lillard, who is a really nice, charismatic leader, face of the franchise, couldn't ask for better. And he's leading in the fog and darkness, almost like walking in circles, because it doesn't matter his leadership skills when the whole rest of the team is in such chaos. And also, does Damian Lillard belong here? I don't know. And this is what the rest of the NBA is starting to, you know, okay, what's what's really going on? Can he really succeed? Does, does it help the Blazers keeping him? I cannot guarantee you that it does. All right? Uh, how's the rest of the roster? I don't know. <laughs> is Anthony Simons a really a starting shooting guard that you can win big with? I don't know. Is Jeremy Grant as first option? We know that one. No. Second option? Yeah, probably not. Third option? Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Should they re-sign him for $30 million this summer? I don't know. <laughs> you know? How's the bench? I don't know. <laughs> like, look, what... What in the world, besides the fact that Damian Lillard is an absolutely phenomenal player, do we know about this franchise? It is n nothing. Yeah, if the Blazers were a, a, a brand, I mean, that would be their slogan. I don't know. And I, I kind of find myself wondering that same thing. Like, I remember a couple of weeks ago, they asked Chauncey was like some of the, the developments and strengths that he's had as a, as a coach. And his big thing was that he had got the players to kind of buy into the culture. And you kind of wonder, like, what, what exactly is that culture? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say. And uh, in terms of Joe Cronin, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass because of the things he's had to kind of untangle from the new O'Shea era and whatnot. Uh, but so far, it's just been a lot of a lot of promises on what he's going to do, and not really a lot of substance behind that. I think he's definitely trying, trying to incorporate and getting assets and whatnot. But at the moment, it's just been kind of just that. You know, I feel like they've kind of in the trades they've they've had. You know, we haven't really seen the the full potential of what those trades are going to be just yet. Um, so it's 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 a difficult situation, and for us to have watched this Blazers team all year long and not really have a a feel for what's kind of going to come next, like even with the draft, we don't know if they're going to trade that pick, what they're going to do with it. So it's just it's a weird situation, and um, I, I I think that you know you ask a lot of people, they 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 know a lot about the Blazers, but it's kind of hard to say what they're going to do, you know, going forward right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Lottery pick, the big salvation. What's what number is it going to be? I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh. Well, and. I, we can tell. I can tell you what the culture has been. It's been lying. I mean, we said this before with the Olshay transition, but that entire decade was selective repackaging of mediocrity and lack of success as true success. And I get it that you do that for the public, but they're. It's like they're addicted to it. Like that stat. I mean, uh, I, both of your. Both of the stats that you have quoted about Shane Sharp's, uh, you know, success as far as a rookie scoring 20, 27 and seven, right? And LeBron James and Luke Don, Luka Doncic or whoever it was that did it, right? There's that one. There's also the, this defense is historically bad for a historically long time, right? Those are both really indicative stats. Guess which one is the only one we heard talked about, Right. Guess which one is lifted up as the state of the team? Okay, that's not really the state of the team. The defense is actually way more indicative than whatever Sharp is doing in, the, in six games at the end of the season when you're tanking. 
okay? And by the way, that stat also brings up the question of why he wasn't playing more or why they weren't able to absorb him more or whatever. So even the stat that they quote has issues, okay? The, the analytics that they do, and again, I get the difference between public and private, but I remember like night and day, the first time that all the players were available after the trade deadline, and they had a hot night shooting from the three-point arc. In fact, historically hot. It was a statistical aberration. And I apologize. I probably should go back and do my research and tell you exactly what it was and the percentage, but I just thought of this, so I don't have it in front of me. But look, it was historically successful. And that was pointed out and also with the tagline, the Blazers got the right guys. Well, no, they, I, the, the, the two have nothing to do with each other because that was one performance at way on the right side of the bell curve, which statistically you'd go, this is going to be an outlier. And you know what? Look at what happened in that New Orleans game. Those same right guys were on the floor and they hit, what did you say, 11% of their three-point shots? It's just literally lying uh, but we have found a way to spin not so good into adequate or good again this is pr stuff but you know what it doesn't take too long saying that again and again and again in a microphone let alone it happens for a decade before your culture becomes yeah you know what for us that's success and then you get Kevin Durant, wherever he was at the time, looking at C.J. McCollum, who was in Portland at the time, and saying, I cannot believe you guys measure success this way. It's like we're on two different planets. And you know what? In the end, that is what is going to derail this team. It will not be the lack of talent. You can draft that. You can trade for that. You've already got some of that. But if that whole talent goes into a shapeless mush that doesn't know the difference between really winning and just doing okay, it doesn't matter who you bring in here. You won't succeed. And that's extremely well said. You know, I, I agree with every single part of that. You know, I think we've seen it, and we talk about the culture here with the Blazers. I can't tell you. I, I can't remember which podcast or which press conference it was, but uh, they were in, they were in a press conference and they were like, "Oh, we played hard. You know, we did what we were supposed to do." I'm like, "We lost by 22. Like that. that there's just too much sleeping under the rug. There's too much. There's not enough brutal, brutal honesty. I think with this team this year. Um, and even when we write recaps and, and talk about the games, like you, you'll say, "Oh, Portland scored 130. Okay, but you gave up 120. So there's a there's caveats caveats to every good thing that they do. Um, and I think that as far as the culture goes. They've done a great job since that that Gerald Blazers era of, of getting the good people, you know, good people that you want in your locker room and your organization. Uh, but it just hasn't led to the right the right level of on-court success and, and things like that. So I think that's something you got to kind of address. Um, like I said, I'm not really sure how they go about doing that, but I think sweeping it, like, they they just not being honest with themselves in terms of, of the, the roster quality, the culture quality, and they're going to have some hard questions to answer this offseason. Um, so seeing how that plays out is going to be interesting too. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a valid point you make. For me, the Blazers kind of had a coupon because, look, the Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, LaMarcus Aldridge era ended uh, tragically. Okay, obviously with Roy and Oden with their knees, nobody expected that. That was expected to be a championship arc that was cut off before it barely got off the ground. Okay? It was abject disaster. And Damian Lillard, 
helped resurrect the team, along with Aldridge for a couple of years, but really, you know, Lillard and then Lillard and McCollum took this team out of horrific circumstances and into at least some respectability, if not notability, and have done it with incredible point production, incredible style, and incredible, you know, what would you say? I call it charisma, but also franchise leadership, some ethics, and all that stuff, right? Okay. They've had a coupon, but the coupon expires like after a decade, and we're a decade on now, okay? Uh, full appreciation for all that stuff. But at a certain point, you've got to take the next step. And if you can't take the next step, you've got to build toward it. And if, for instance, Damian Lillard leaves, and we're right back where we were when Brandon Roy's knees got injured, then this last decade almost didn't happen. And that's the big fear, but that's also the big critique. Like, if you're really building something, you've got to build something that outlasts you. And I'm not talking just about Lillard. I'm talking about, like, everybody. I'm talking about Olshay. I'm talking about uh, the, the entire, you know, last decade of, of people who have served. One of the hallmarks of success is you left it better than you found it. If you depart and all the quote-unquote success that you had departs with you, that doesn't show how good you were. That shows it was all about you. And those are two different things. So I think that that dose of realism that you're talking about has to come literally in the next two months. And we cannot go through another summer where we're going, we're trying a couple things and we think it'll work this time because it ain't going to work this time probably. There's always a miracle hope. But it ain't going to work this time without major, major changes. And it's time to talk seriously about those and really build towards sustained real success instead of explaining why not having it is a good thing. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, I think over the last couple of weeks, you know, my stance on the, the Damian Lillard thing is, is sort of changed a little bit, too. Um, just in terms of are they ever going to be able to put the right team around him? You know, and it's it's kind of tough to say, especially if you don't get like a, a generational uh, franchise changing draft pick, or you're able to kind of lure in a free agent. So, I think it's really tough to kind of say, um, and especially this year now with, with the pressure wrapping up the way it, it did. We talked about it before, but you know, heading into this year, he said that there would not be another year like last year, and ironically enough, it ended up almost exactly the same. So, as your as your stance sort of changed on on the trading Damian Lillard, if they don't get the number one pick card, the number two pick card, or how do you feel on that? Well, my first stance is it's okay to talk about this. You know what? Because, like, the, the sales job has become so pervasive. And, again, who doesn't love Damian Lillard? Who doesn't think the Blazers are going to get worse in the short term trading Damian Lillard? I think they're going to get worse. If they lose Damian Lillard, they will not be good. Okay? The, the asterisk is they're not good now. Right? So uh, what are we preserving? But the, this is what I mean. It's like... We've got to be able to speak truth about this without people getting torches and pitchforks and rising up and saying, you're being unfaithful or whatever. Okay. So here's the thing. I think the first option is always to keep Damian Lillard. Always, always, always. Okay. What conditions does not no longer become practical? The first one is what you said. You can't put the right team around him. Okay. They had... Anthony Simons, who had 
by almost any measure, a really successful season. They had Jeremy Grant, who performed really, really well, and they had the best glue guy in the league almost in Josh Hart. And they couldn't win. And by the way, they were 500 when they traded Hart, right? I mean, I don't know what their exact record was, but they weren't, you know, they were, they might have been below, they might have been above, that they were about a 500 team, okay? So it's not like they were wildly succeeding with this lineup. That, that, it wasn't working. And I can't imagine putting a better core around him. Yusuf Nurkic as well. You know, he's not a bad center. Didn't work. How are you going to get a better lineup than that? So, okay, whether you keep Lillard or not, the first question is, who else do you put around him? Do you sign Jeremy Grant to $30 million a year under these circumstances? And there's a sunk cost thing that says, well, you traded everything for him, and, you know, you've got him now, and he's a good player. Yeah, but your salary cap is already at uh, 109. 139 is over the cap, and you're soon going to be pushing the luxury tax, just filling out the team. Can you afford to do that? Hard question, but you got to answer that. Yusuf Nurkic, can he play for this team anymore? And I don't mean suit up, but like, can you with a straight face say, this is going to lead to huge success starting him as the center? Hard question, but if you can't answer that, yes, you got to do something else. Do you have any bench at all, aside from Shaden Sharp? Hard question, but you better take a realistic look at that. Do you have a coach? Do you have a coach who can even coach? Again, I don't know. I want to give Chauncey Billups the benefit of the doubt because I do that with all coaches, but like we said, I don't know. Hard question. You better answer that. If the answer is no or you're in serious doubt, you've got to make the move. Now, after you've made those moves, then you look at Damian Lillard and say, is there any chance in hell that we have gotten better around him than we were this year over the next two to three years? And really, it better be two. Over the next two seasons, have we made enough changes to field a better team around him right now? If you cannot answer that yes definitively, then yeah, you've got to move him. I tell you one thing I'm kind of looking forward to seeing is um, with Shaden Sharp, the way he's played over the last couple of weeks, you sort of wonder, does he make any of the, the players, the Blazers maybe look at his long term, if they become more expendable? Um, and I think Simon is definitely the first guy you think of. Like you said, he's had, a, a, by all measures, he's had a really good season, especially for his age and, and the, the way he's going to continue to ascend and develop. Uh, but just going forward, you're looking at the, the way the position is going to be. Uh, the cap space situation, you kind of wonder like does the sharps play make it a little bit easier to, to finally to finally have a roster where you have length on the perimeter, uh, length in your starting lineup. That's something that the Blazers really haven't had, you know, in a while. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and like I, I, I I'm just kind of curious to see how that's gonna go. Uh, I don't I don't know if the Blazers have actually won the last couple of trades they've had. You know, it's kind of too early to say, but like the CJ McCollum trade, the fact that you traded Hart, you know, one year later, like it's kind of hard to say that you won that one. Um, the Josh Hart trade, you know, it could work out, but I don't know. So in that situation, you know, are the Blazers finally going to win one for sure, like definitively? And that'll be something I'll watch for too. But I think the way Sharp's playing now kind of opens up a whole lot more, uh, a lot, a lot more options. And I think maybe in the in the long term, it makes him a little bit less tradable too. So kind of answering some questions here. There are so many questions this Blazers team has. So being able to answer one of those, I think is is 
kind of important and kind of kind of good to see. I got one for you. So if you were, if you know you're going to trade Dame, and I'm not saying we are, let's just speculate, all right? Who's attached to him? Meaning, if you move Damien Lillard, who else does it make sense to then not value as much anymore on this team? Uh, I'll give you the players who are still under contract, and let's presume Jeremy Grant might be. He's in that decision tree. But Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Shaden Sharp, Nasir Little, Kevin Knox, Keon Johnson, Trendon Watford, Jabari Walker. If Lillard were to move, do any of those players suddenly not make sense anymore to retain? I think the easiest answer would have been probably Yusuf Nurkic. Um, and I think he's kind of easy to kind of pick on in that. He's, like you said, he's a, a, a solid center. You know, he's, he's got some value to him. But just in terms of if I were the, the Blazers GM, you know, my entire premise, my number one motivation would have been, you know, you got to keep your star happy. And just knowing the relationship that Lillard and Nurkic have, you know, they kind of look at them as like a package deal, a package fit. So uh, getting, rid of, getting rid of Lillard, and obviously we don't want to see that, but if it were, you know, to be the case, uh, Nurkic would be a guy that I think you move on from through. Um, and you just focus on getting more youthful. Um, and not only getting more youthful, but getting actual proven projects. You know, we've seen them take potential guys with potential question marks, but... If you if you deal with Lillard and Nurkic, you know you should be able to get some 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 young players that we've actually seen, you know, put production on the table too. So, and I think at the end of the day, that helps you play faster, play more athletic, um, and just have a little bit more grit and determination about you. So that would be the guy, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, Lillard is thirty two, Grant's twenty eight, Nurkic is twenty eight. Uh, nobody else significant on the roster is above twenty six. So again, you get like there's a really clear divide on this team. It's like you almost I believe what they're saying about win now. I believe what they're saying about keep Damian Lillard. I really believe it. I 100% do. But if you were to not believe that, you would look at their actions and you would go, they're not even close to trying to keep Damian Lillard. And this is the weird thing about it. It's like God, I hate to bring this up, but it's like being in a relationship where you think it's kind of falling apart. But the person says, no, no, I'm going to be with you. Look, I got your tattoo on my arm. I, you know, I got your name on my, you know, and you're going like, OK, I see that and I hear what you're saying. But at the same time, you're talking to me way less and you're uh, you seem to be hanging out at the club a lot more. And I have no idea where you are. And there's just this distance. And I don't know why, you know, that thing. That's what it feels like with the Blazers roster, not emotionally, but just in terms of, wow, if, you, if you're looking to keep me, why am I suddenly way farther on an island age-wise and experience-wise than I ever have been? And your entire team is under 26. <laughs> what, what do, if we're looking to win now, we, we can't do it that way. What the heck is going on? Yeah, that, that, I agree with that. I think the actions don't really match the words in this situation. And what we're hearing is that, you know, they're, they're telling Lillard, just be patient. You know, we're, we're putting things together and we just haven't seen it yet. And, and all of the science kind of suggests that it won't happen. You know, we're two years into this experiment now and we're no clearer than we were, you know, the day it started. So I think we had like a similar record where we were out of the playoffs by early March, mid-March. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of hard to put your finger on, on on any particular thing that they've done where you're like, okay, this is one of those moves that's going to move them closer to winning a championship. And there's just not really been any of those yet, in my opinion. So I don't really know how you, how you go about that. Yeah, it's like the quote from Dame was, 
Well, if they were to come to me and tell me that they're doing a rebuild, well, they're telling you. <laughs> they're not, they're just not telling you, right? I mean, if if we look at the actual signs and parse away the words, if we put this in an abstract, like, blind box and look at this, we're going like, no, 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 this team is is building for five years from now. They're not building for now. Okay. They're going to have to do a radical U-turn this summer, this summer. And this is, I guess, our ending point or final conclusion. It's not It's not next year. It's not the year after. It's literally 60 days from now. If they don't pull the emergency brakes, flip a UE on the freeway, and release that sucker and floor it the other direction, I think we can start believing their actions instead of believing their words. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot. Uh, you got I can take a little bit of luck, too. You know, you look at the drive lottery. As of right now, you have a 10.5% chance of the number one pick. Uh, teams 1 to 3 have a 14% chance. So hopefully you get a little bit of luck there. And I think that's one of the, the few things that can change the spectrum of this entire franchise. You know, overnight, they're able to get some luck there. But depending on luck, I think it's, it's kind of foolish, too. So I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. And, and you're not probably going to get top guys like that coming to Portland just because of the market and whatnot. So it's difficult. It's very difficult. And I, I think every 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 possibility has to be on the table in terms of, you know, trading Lillard. Uh, keeping them around, whatever you do, but I don't know. It's just kind of just got to watch and see how it plays off first and, and see what happens. Well, this season is going to mercifully come to an end. There will be four games, if you can call them that, uh, before we talk again. Next time we talk, we'll be almost at the end of the season. You have the, the Kings again tonight as we speak. That game will be done by the time people hear this. You've got road trip. I mean, that's... <laughs> Do we have to go? I mean, you could just hear the kids like, uh, oh, all right, in the back of the station wagon. We're going to Minnesota and Memphis, San Antonio and the Clippers. Do we have to? I just want to stay home. <laughs> it's like, OK, uh, so we have the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, the Spurs and the Clippers. I mean, oddly enough, the Spurs game is going to be the most interesting one of those, right? I think so too. I don't. I don't see any incentive to win a game, but you might be able to look into making a, sh- a couple of shots and into winning that game. I think it's going to be a big game for for one of the young Blazers guys. Not sure who yet, but I can see a thirty point game, one of those last highlights of the year kind of games for him. So don't you screw up and win that game. That's yeah. yeah it would be really interesting to see if like. Uh, both the Spurs and the Blazers are still in some kind of lottery race. What happens there, and if we're ready for the Shaden Sharp injury. You know, he's been healthy all year. He's played more games than anybody else. I'm circling Thursday, April 6th and wondering, (laughs) I wonder if uh, we're going to uh, see uh, an even worse lineup on that night. Anyway, that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, We will talk more about the offseason, of course, and all of this as we go along. Uh, For Marlo Ferguson, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you next week.